0: Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick, who are dedicated to helping manufacturers and distributors to enhance their competitive position and succeed in high pressure trade environments. Visit them online at coneresnick.com. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts from. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business welcome to the latest episode of meet the manufacturers on behalf of manufacture ct now on this episode i'm going to be speaking with mike zaransky and jen o'brien from canton racing products based in north branford connecticut mike jen welcome to meet the manufacturers Hello. thank you so let's dive in who's going to tell me what you make and all about your company
1: you know what we do is we manufacture a lot of high performance automotive parts is the best way to put it focusing a lot on the oil systems and the cooling systems. And everything we make is always gonna have an additional benefit versus what's sort of normally available on the vehicle initially. So whether that's, you know, larger capacity, better performance in one way or another, all specialty purpose, so whether that's racing, sometimes it means that it's an industrial application where they need something unique, but everything we make has some bell or whistle that is providing the customer with a, a little bit more than what they would find if they just sort of got a replacement part for you know, a replacement automotive part.
0: Gotcha, so the only thing I'm thinking of is air filters and things like that, things to make vehicles go faster. Is that where we're at with this though? Air filters, cooling systems, intercoolers, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, to some degree. We don't get into the air filtration side. We're heavily on the oil side, so we do have an oil filtration you know, line, we do have some cooling and a lot of the accessories to install those. So a lot of our customers, if they're building from the ground up or they're just, they're adding a cooling system or a filtration system that wasn't initially there, we have the adapters to make that happen, you know, to modify the OEM you know situation and to install our components. One of the major lines we sell is oil pans, which is um, basically on the bottom of the internal combustion engine all that oil that's circulating through the engine collects down there in the oil pan. And at its most basic, it's what it sounds like, a pan just to catch oil. But in a more sophisticated sense, there's a baffling, uh, there's some things we do with how it scavenges oil back to the engine and some different things that add performance.
0: Awesome. So Jen, tell me about Canton. Tell me about the company.
2: Sure. So I guess we have a story similar to probably a lot of other small businesses out there. Our dad started this in our garage in 1981. So Mike and I were very small then. Yeah. And he just kind of started as his, I guess nowadays they call it the side hustle with two small children at home and one other on the way. It came to be a point where he had to either go, you know, the fork in the road. Do I keep this going or do I try to find something else? I guess fortunately for us, he kept this going, eventually grew out of the garage. We've been here in North Brantford for about 20 22 years now in this building. We've been in business for 41 years this summer. It was July. Yeah. And our dad is still here, bopping around. But for the most part, you know, Mike and I run it every day. And, and uh, we do have other family members that just, you know, are not currently as hailed as Michael and I are, but family operated,
0: trucking along. I love that. Is it, wasn't it Apple that was uh, born in a garage? So uh, all good things come out of Gareth, as far as as I'm concerned, for sure. So tell me a little bit about you guys specifically, starting with you, Mike, if I may. Were you always going to work in the family business or did you have other plans? And how did you end up in the role that you're in now?
1: For sure. (laughs) Much like my father, I did not plan. And who plans too much when they're getting out of high school and going to college and things, you know? But yeah, so I explored a lot of different things, you know, at that time of my life. When you have a family business and you need a job, it's a good place to get a job. So I worked here through high school and you know doing packaging jobs, you know doing some of the part-time work essentially. So I was a part-time packaging person for many years, uh, just through high school, and eventually I went to college, but I still needed some work, so I did, did some stuff in the sales office. So I was always kind of working here, but it was never, it wasn't meant to be full-time. And um, you know basically I got to a point where you know I felt like I could contribute more, you know, make some more changes, and sort of slowly gotten more involved, you know, and to the point where at one point or another, you know, I sort of just became a general manager and obviously said, okay, well, this is what I'm gonna do. This is where I'm gonna put my energy and go from there. So, so yeah, much like my father's story, it was sort of just, I was doing it, uh, I was passionate about it, um, you know, trying to make improvements. And then at some point, I just sort of realized that, that this is what I'd be doing.
0: Awesome, Jen, what about yourself? Was it always the plan to work for the family business?
2: No, not for me either. After college, I had a psychology degree. I thought I would like to do some kind of human resources work. I worked in several different places way back. I worked for Caldor. I worked for Ames. There was a retail that had their home offices here in Connecticut, and I worked in those offices. But at some point, it just felt like it wasn't. You know, those places were closing down, and I felt that like I could make a difference here.
0: I've got to say, I've, we've been doing these podcasts for some time now, and family-run businesses are huge within this sector and it's a real mix of people who know i never wanted to work for the family business and wallop 10 years later they're running the business are the president and then there are others who were just literally born to do what they do and it's always fascinating to me to find out people's stories into how they ended up from the garage and watching your dad work to being in the job yourself i kind of love that i love hearing the story so what does the average day, if there is such a thing, look like for you? Starting with you, Mike, if I may.
1: For sure. As a small company, everybody here does a, quite a few different things and no exception for myself. So. You know, of course, there's like a day like today on a Monday morning, we do some some meetings where we're going to be checking in with uh, you know, sort of different departments, what their plan is for the week, how certain metrics are going that we're watching, seeing if we're making progress in certain places. And, you know, then after that, sometimes it's just walking around, you sort of bump into what's going on for the day, sometimes smaller issues and a lot of the work done is just done in, you know, conversations, casual conversations by the machine or, you know, a conversation at someone's desk that wasn't planned, but, uh, you know, becomes that point where we can, you know, slowly develop a path forward on something we're working on. And then sometimes the machine breaks. So now it's, uh, you yeah, know, we got to go out there and gotta figure out what's going on, make sure we get the replacement parts, whatever it may be. So. I kind of bop around i could be holding a hammer one moment or <laughs> we have in a meeting but and then or being you know, interviewed of that. by a
0: crazy brit throw that into your job
1: description. It, it's yeah it's a huge mix i mean it's really hard you know if you think that you're, you're a president or you're you're an executive or something they have sort of an idea of, of what you do but uh, i can tell you that um it varies it varies from being on your hands and knees trying to help a guy figure out what he needs to do to to get a machine going or uh, you know having a high level conversation about you know what we're gonna do for next year for for strategy and marketing or advertising. For my role, I always look for opportunities to how we can improve things for the short term and the midterm and the long term. So we're always you know looking at, okay, well, let me look at a couple things that I think might help us do some research as we move down the road planning for you know next year and beyond. What's the equipment, what's the strategies? that are gonna be out there, they're gonna help us move forward. So always looking for that. And that, that kind of sprinkles in amongst everything else.
0: What about yourself, Jen? How many employees do you have? And what does your average day look like with the, your roles and responsibilities, I guess?
2: Sure. We currently have about 30 employees. We are a little understaffed, like everybody else. But I try to go around, talk to all my managers, see what they have going on, I handle HR here too. So, you know, if they have any employee issues or, you know, somebody's going to be out, somebody's going to be in. I try to say that my job, I try to keep the train on the tracks every day. So I'm saying, you know, if there are problems, there are an issue, what's going on, when is this going to be done? How can I help, you know, get this order out, move this along? Like Michael said, kind of bopping in and out of what people have going on, you know, making sure everything's moving as smoothly as it can, help smooth out. But then in the same respect, you know, if there's a plumbing issue or something like that, I'm dealing with that. (laughs) Or, you know, we've run out of something and someone has to go to the hardware store, I'm in the car. So, yeah, just, you know, trying to keep everything together
0: and moving forward i got to be honest I've always loved those varied roles you describe it so beautifully it's always been something I personally have thrived on I do love a bit of firefighting not literally obviously tell me a little bit about the geeky side of the business so I'll start with you Mike I May equipment and machinery so this is something that in this podcast we speak to a lot of manufacturing businesses and they're always talking about the machinery and the equipment that they've got on site and they get really excited I ask them, what equipment do you have in your facility and they're like whoa let me start um do you get excited about that and what equipment and machinery on site do you have there to make your product
1: yeah i don't know claire is it geeky uh, i don't know i never thought it's like
0: a kid who's collecting baseball cards And like yeah i've got a cnc yeah <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah i could see that that mentality yeah you know we have a lot of so we're a sheet metal shop primarily we do some machine work as well but for the most part we're doing sheet metal work so know, we have the turret punch and a laser, and our laser is probably is our newest piece of equipment. And we are excited about that. You know, the technology is only good for what you can do with it. So, you know, that's what I get excited about it personally is the equipment is interesting, but thinking about, okay, what can we do with this, you know? What, either new products or how can we change what we're doing to you know either make the job easier make the product better that part of it is sort of geeky that, that i do get excited about there is a lot of technology out there as we've been growing since we've been an established business we started off i should say with a lot of older equipment right so we, we began in the 80s obviously a lot of our equipment is originally from there and then over the years you're constantly sort of moving one piece of equipment out bringing in you know hopefully a newer more efficient piece of equipment so there's always that process happening and the factory and our equipment is kind of always changing and moving hopefully it is you know hopefully you're always adding something new and you're exiting out something that's you know not so great so yeah we do have press breaks a lot of welders you know we have a lot of employees that are, that you know operate that machinery there's there's a lot that happens there you know some leak testing equipment and stuff like that, but a lot of the setup work is in that laser and the, the bending and the fabrication side. And yeah, it's interesting to see what you can do. What you can do with software too. You know, it's not always you know just hard piece of equipment. Yeah. Sometimes it's the software can can really utilize the equipment. You know, what I mean, if you have the equipment but you don't have the way to you know really program it effectively, then then you're not taking full advantage either. So the software that's available now is pretty interesting and pretty amazing what it can do. So.
0: Awesome. that's, that's geek spot over. us it it's, it. it's funny love it it's funny
2: because it i could geeky. show you videos of our laser on my phone i take videos of it how it, I it, how it caught, case, you know
0: and <laughs> I, 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 I try
2: to show my other family members they're like that's great really mm. you know but i'm like "Don't no, no, look really at it look nice, at
0: Jen. it that's yeah. lovely. What a that? Your dog yeah right (laughs) no i do joke about it but it is you know like we have so many businesses here in connecticut who are on the the cusp of cutting edge technology and they do get excited about it because it does mean faster turnaround times it makes their life easier it's improving the quality so i joke about it being the geek spot but i'm actually fascinated myself i have to be honest (laughs) so let's talk about employee and the company culture i guess how would your employees describe your company culture
2: we all feel here that we all are working towards the same goal. And they see Mike on the floor, they see me walking around. Like Michael had said, we're a small company, so you know we have a lot of employees who are happy to you know jump in as needed. They all see it too as opportunities outside of their niche or their specific job. You know, it sounds kind of cheesy to say like, oh, we're a team, we work as a team, but I really do feel like that's the people who get us and stay with us long-term, see our vision, share our vision, and are working towards our common goal. So that's kind of I, I feel. Sure, Michael can expand upon it. What we have going on here, where you know, we when we all meet together, whether you know, it's scheduled or just you know happen to be passing each other, you know, together. How can we help? How can we all get this you know project completed? And everybody in the building was enthusiastic for our new machines, so whether they were, they were working on it or not. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. It's a positive right.
1: thing. Being a smaller company, like you say, 30 people, you can know everybody's name, you know, so that that's yeah. great. And so pretty much everybody knows each other. Obviously, they all know us. And uh, when we sit down and do our onboarding, of course, we have our principles that we try to communicate as far as, you know, focusing on quality and, you know, focusing on, you know, standardization and focusing on, being committed to the customer and so forth. But when you're talking to people, and you're, you're sort of listening to people work, you know, if, you have your door, if you're in your office, get your door open, you can hear what's happening, you know, down yeah. the hall and hear what people are saying when they, when they don't know you can hear them. And you hear that people want to get it done. They are concerned and thinking, "Hey, listen, I want this out. I want this right for the customer." So you do have that, but you also do have like kind of it's not a relaxed, but it's a um, you know a friendly atmosphere. So as much as we're going to say, "Man, let's get this done. Let's get this right. We need to get this finished and make sure it's it's the way it should be," there's also there's room for a joke and and room for some friendship there too. So I'm happy. You know, me that I know that that makes me happy. I know that makes Jen happy to know that. Genuinely, uh, you know, everybody gets along and, you know, that's not always the case, you know, if you run a business long enough, you you have issues where, you know, conflicts among people and this sort of thing. Obviously, we try to look out for that and not have that be part of our culture when it does come up, but uh, we're certainly lucky. Currently, we have a, a great team and I think everybody respects and, and gets along with each other and, and recognizes where their part is, you know can find that's often the case and where when you have a lot of people working in different departments it becomes a situation where they see themselves at odds with each other you know they see it's very easy for the let's say the the shipping department just to to feel like they're up against the, you know, production department or quality. Of course, quality is against productions efficiency, you know, in there, but um, (laughs) we've we've been able to through some good communication and and that was what what those meetings are hopefully about is so that everybody understands that, you know, yeah, we all have a different part of this, but we're really all working towards the same thing. So when the quality team says something about you know something that's going on. It's not against the production team. If anything, it's to help the production team and to help us all. So I think generally that you understood in our culture.
0: Yeah, it sounds like people really pulling in the same direction and having that awareness of other departments to get the product made to the highest standard and out the door as quick as possible. It sounds perfect. Meet the Manufacturers podcast on behalf of Manufacture CT is created and produced by Red Rock Branding. Redrockbranding.com. If you are enjoying this episode, please subscribe to and share this podcast today. You mentioned staffing. So I had the pleasure of interviewing a number of companies and a common theme that has come up and aside from COVID, obviously, we'll get there, has been about recruiting and retaining a skilled workforce in Connecticut. You mentioned earlier that you're a little bit understaffed at the moment. Talk to me about that. Why is that? And what makes it more challenging? And, and is it Connecticut-specific or is it just skill-specific? If you see what I mean.
2: Well, I think we've come a long way, to be honest, even in the past decade or so. Like Michael mentioned, you know, we're looking for some skilled labor. We do hire people who have had no experience for um, some positions and that works well. But we found for positions like welding, it helps to have some experience, maybe have gone to some trade school. Sometimes with those positions, you know, they're kind of looking for a really high-paying, awesome, fantastic job. This is a good job, but I can't pay as much as Pratt and Whitney, I hate to say, and I can't give their benefits. And I think sometimes stuff kind of lure people in with that promise. There are a lot of welders out of school, their feet wet, some experience, some more skills, and I'm a good place for that. That sometimes is my challenge. I feel like we're all right with local there's not a bus line that comes to our facility. The nearest bus is about a mile away. So sometimes that can deter people because they have to have some sort of transportation to get to work. You know, I don't have remote work. <laughs> that's the other thing for office positions. I know a lot of people looking for remote work and unfortunately we're just very hands on here. You know, we're not that large of a company where we can have people, you know, sort of outside doing stuff. You have to kind of have to be here with us all working together. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's a deterrent to some people it's just been a challenge you know everybody's too is looking for work so there's a lot of competition sort of for the same small pool yes. but you know there's a lot of training programs out so north Branford high school is developing some manufacturing courses the town i live in they're developing manufacturing courses and i think the exposure for younger people to see what manufacturing is about you know like even i've had my daughter working here over the summer and she would say i hate math but then she helps me with accounting a little bit you know and <laughs> and she's good at it. And so, I say, so I say, so this is math. And, you know, yeah. it's just not the math you're used to. And I think that's the same thing with maybe kids in school aren't exposed to manufacturing. They think that's not something I want to do. That's not something I'd be good at. I'm not good at math or whatever. But realizing when it comes to putting it into a real life situation, yep. definitely a yeah. different story. So I'm really optimistic that, you know, younger people in school and stuff will kind of give manufacturing a second look and want to come aboard. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. It's been something that I think breaking down a lot of stigma around manufacturing, Mm -hmm. you know, we joked earlier, but you know, Connecticut does have a really rich history in manufacturing. And it's so high tech now. In certain areas, it's so high tech, you know, I guess the old fashioned imagery has and is and continues to be broken down by those training programs reaching out to as many people as possible explaining the application of maths and sciences opposed to you know what they've learned in a workbook like this equation what's the point yeah. but actually if you've got a problem you're trying to solve suddenly there's a real point to that equation and it can actually be a lot more useful and uh, impactful i guess what about the actual doing business in the state of connecticut now this is not a cheap state to live or work or run a business. Have you found that being literally here in Connecticut has held you back in any way? Or is it actually being the fact that our rich heritage in manufacturing has helped you on your way? You know, has it been positive or negative? Or what are the positive and negatives, I guess?
1: Yeah, I think it's a challenge. I always think that, you know, we operate in Connecticut. uh, We live in Connecticut. Our employees live in Connecticut. The challenge is, if we were selling to people in Connecticut, well, then, you know that's apples to apples the challenge is we are selling to people in ohio we're selling to people in you know nebraska we're selling to people you know in texas and throughout the whole country in canada we're selling to people uh, in the uk so when things happen in connecticut if the rest of the country or the rest of the world does not also have that same movement in that same direction yeah we are a little unlevel in the playing field that does create a challenge because if we raise the minimum wage, which raises all wages, you know, when you raise the minimum wage, you're raising wages of everybody. So even our employees will will move our wages up in response to that. But unfortunately, you know, our customer in Nebraska maybe his wage didn't go up. So now we have a problem, and you know, there is still a lot of competition from Asian manufacturers who have you know, minimum wage isn't a thing. So I think we've made some strides as, as Jen mentioned. I think there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good work in the state. And it's not just a state problem. I mean it's it's throughout the country. Obviously some states are better positioned, but we do have some people, you know, doing a lot of good work as far as with the training, letting people understand that this is an option in a career for them, you know, and making that happen unfortunately we're probably that's like one step in a thousand mile journey you know it's uh, yeah, sure. if, if you go back to 1975 or 1980 and think about what manufacturing was in the united states and you think about 2022 we're one step back to where we need to be so so i think it's a huge challenge anybody who ignores that and i think there's a lot of manufacturers unfortunately that when you look under the hood they're assemblers they're importing asian parts and assembling them I've talked to enough people around the state to know that you know as much as there's some legitimate manufacturers and great people, there's also some of the um, bigger organizations in the state that I think the the state politicians actually tend to prefer. I think that's I'll toot a little bit here and say that uh, I think sometimes it does feel the smaller manufacturers are uh, neglected in in favor of the the big military suppliers in the state because and that's great it's a great feather in our cap to have those military suppliers in the state i've talked to you know many people i have friends that work there you know other people that work here that i've spoken to you know i think that uh sometimes the focus is a little off there
0: yeah no and i think that's something that has come up before what could the state do to help small to medium sized businesses, what could they do to help it? They're never going to la- level that playing field. They're never going to yeah. be able to do that. Give me a couple of things that they could do right now that could help you be more profitable, more successful and to deliver more product.
1: When it comes to the training and the programs that are out, like I said, there are some programs, and welding programs, and we've had opportunities to get involved, to put our two cents in. You know, Hill House is, is looking to try to get a program together. You know, had the good fortune to be able to be involved in that conversation to help put uh, forth some of our ideas. So there are some things being done. I think more of that where we remember that there are a lot of small manufacturers throughout the state that have varied degrees of products and varied processes because the big three manufacturers in the state have very specific needs, but not everybody is gonna be suited for that. You know? There's a lot of people that wanna work hands-on. They like to, to see what they're doing. They like the idea of building something tactile, You know, at the end of the day, seeing some finished product we wanna make sure that there's employment for all those people who want that type of work and not focus one way or the another, you know. Uh, there may be somebody who's, maybe it's not great for the type of work we do, but maybe in one of the other small manufacturers is really the thing for them. So I think just showing that visibility, I think like Jen alluded to earlier, when people are up and coming and they're training, they hear a lot about those aerospace jobs, right? Cause that's really flashy and, and that sounds great. But that's, as you remember, as, as big as those, those companies are, there's, you know, minority, to the many small businesses that are out there and the many other options so people that are up and coming but they're not showing them the full landscape of occupations that are available to them and and uh what they could be doing because um you yeah, know a lot of those folks um work's not going to be suited to them
0: absolutely so uh, i guess greater exposure at grassroots level to a wider re- education
1: yeah yeah just let them know the mm-hmm. wide range of products the wide range of companies and occupations that are available and make sure the training's addressing all of that and do more to allow, you know, the people that are in the job market to funnel and see the value in working for a small manufacturer. We have people here that used to work at those aerospace companies and they like it here because they know their manager and they know the people they work with and they can contribute and give their input to the process they're working on. They like that hands-on, Make you a know, difference. so yeah. I, a lot I think of communicating a lot the number. value of small business is important.
0: What would you say have been some of your biggest successes in your life The things that you're most proud of? Well, obviously here
1: in the business, there's probably a, a misconception. Well, I know there's some misconceptions sometimes when you're a family business and if your father started it, that, that how you ended up where you are, right? So you just walked in one day and your dad was yeah, like, "Hey, sure. why, don't, why don't you start doing it? And, and it wasn't quite like that. Matter of fact, so I sort of really worked over over periods of time essentially doing things that weren't really my job and trying to make improvements where i could even if that wasn't my job yet to the point where eventually i got to where i could you know make the changes and be in a position i am now and, and i know that's obviously that's always a concern in a, in a family business is, is how do you transfer to the second generation you know what happens to this business you know, a lot of these businesses are maybe too small to get good value by selling i mean sometimes you could sell them there's people who do but you know obviously sentimentally you like to see it thrive in the business the founder wants to see it move forward within their original vision you know which obviously yeah. once it's sold you don't have any any say over that so certainly that's what uh, he was hoping for and i think um but at the same time, you know, I'll speak for my father here to say that when you start something and you put a lot of your energy and a lot of your your weekends and your nights trying to make something work over many years, you're certainly not going to hand it over and walk away and think and put it in hands that you don't trust. So it taking time to build that trust over many years. and 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 for me to truthfully understand the business enough to be able to you know, make sure I can keep it moving forward in the right direction and make the changes as well that are necessary. So, I don't know if that really answers the question, but it's a several year process. Yeah. You know, sometimes you don't realize what your accomplishments are, and so you look back, say, hey, this is where I was five years ago, wow, I didn't realize we moved so far. You know, so it's not usually the big, big moments. It's
0: the little steps. Yeah, yes yeah, it's,
1: sure. yeah, it's the little steps, and yeah. many times, you know, in our training, I'll show our new hires some of, uh, what things looked like before in certain areas and what we've changed them to be so they could see that progress. And it even surprises myself sometimes like, wow, you know, sometimes, and I remind people of this, it's just, you know, it may not feel like we're doing a lot this week. And maybe this month doesn't feel like we made a big leap, but if you think where we were six months ago, I think we were last year, and then you say, hey, we've really made some progress. I guess that's a huge accomplishment.
0: It's all about perspective, isn't it? And I think I like yeah. that something I often hear on these podcasts, and you've already said it, you know, the time you spent in the um, shipping section of your business is earning your stripes as a family member in a family-run business. I love the fact that you've earned your stripes because you know every department. You've worked in most departments, whether it be on a part-time basis when you were a student, you know, you've learned from the the roots up, if you like, how this business runs. It's not a case of just, oh, okay, I'm, uh, you know, Daddy's the boss, so I'm going to be the vice president. Uh, You know, I love to hear stories of how you've learnt your trade, learnt your company, and that, for me, I think it makes for, you know, a fantastic management structure. Last couple of questions for you then, Mike, if I may. Obviously, we've navigated COVID. We're now out, hopefully out the other end of that. Are there any particular areas of growth or new opportunities that you're looking at just at the moment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously our business is high performance automotive. It's expanding every new car, every new technology sort of expands our opportunity. We're looking into obviously electric vehicles with the new thing on the forefront. So how to participate in that. Obviously we're generally internal combustion engine focused and a lot of our customers are modifying, you know, older cars, but eventually those, you know, those electric vehicles become the older cars that are being modified so there's always that looking that's sort of way out in front you know we're also looking as we mentioned we had brought in some laser equipment and you know try to increase our technology so looking to see what that opens up for different avenues uh, both in the automotive and um, we do do some business for industrial, so we've done some natural gas pumps, we've done some test engine stand stuff. We've done a couple of things in that area too, so we're hoping to expand there. Yeah, I think there's quite a bit of opportunity, You know, especially, like I say, in, in our industry, there's always something new coming out for us to get involved
0: in. Definitely, and it's having one eye sort of on the future at the same time. Um, If people want to carry on the conversation with you, they want to know more about you, your products that you offer, how can people connect with the company? Do you have a website, social media, LinkedIn, that sort of thing?
1: For sure. Yeah. Best way is the website, of course, at cantonracingproducts.com. So, you know, on there, you'll see all our information about us. You'll see all our products. You'll see a lot of uh, technical information. One of the things we do is put a lot of information out there for people who are just trying to solve a, an oiling problem, trying to solve a performance engine problem. And that information is just free and available to peruse. Also, of course, on Facebook, at cantonracingproducts.com, Instagram at Canton Racing. You know, we just pick up the phone. We'd love to talk to you
0: amazing you heard it here first do check out that website cantonracingproducts.com mike and jen it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today and finding out a little bit more about your business in branford north branford thanks for being a part of meet the manufacturers well thank you we really appreciate it thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of meet the manufacturers brought to you by manufacture ct if you would like to find out more about manufacture ct or you would like to join the organization, visit the website, manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick. Advisory, assurance, tax. Visit their website, coneresnick.com. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode and want to find out more about the vibrant and thriving manufacturing community in Connecticut, subscribe to and share this podcast today. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. This podcast was created and produced by Red Rock Branding. RedRockBranding.com